the ace goal scorer, once again makes it look so easy. You're listening to the Robbie Fowler Podcast. Powered by McDonald's. It is episode eight of the Robbie Fowler podcast brought to you by McDonald's McCafe. Great tasting coffee made simple. We've got one Liverpool legend in the shape of the man whose name adorns the title, Robbie Fowler. And you've delved back into that contact book of yours, Rob. And you've got another Liverpool legend. Uh, yeah, I've delivered here. Yeah. Uh, look, you know what? You just mentioned legend there. I think legend is far is used far too much in football nowadays. But this man is a bona fide legend. He, he, is, he is the... I think he is the epitome of of legends. I mean, it's Mr. Ian Rush. He's uh, a good, real good mate of mine. Uh, he's been wanting to come on for weeks, but we've actually fob, fobbed him off a few times because uh, we've, we've had Jürgen and, and a strike partner on. But uh, I know yeah. my place. I know my place. <laughs> Rushy, you don't worry. You're, you're any time. Don't worry about. It. I knew you. I knew you would come on for me because you're obviously a good friend of mine. But I mean, what was Chris was saying there? I think legend is used far too much. But you, you obviously are. I mean the bee's knees. Thanks, thanks for that, son. <laughs> We've got the same size noses, haven't we? <laughs> no comment. I didn't have a sticker on mine, though. Come yeah, but I never used to underline mine. <laughs> well, Ian, it's great to have you on the pod, and you're in Dubai. Dubai has become home for you in the last couple of months, and I want to start right there because Robbie and I have been talking about this. How on earth does one go about getting a gold visa? That I know. You you've been bestowed upon in the last few weeks? Well, I think, basically, uh, I've been here since 24th of December, and uh, I was only here, supposed to be here for a week, but uh, what's going on and everything, and uh, I'm working here with uh, Liverpool Football Club, we're looking to open academies in this part, in this region, so... Uh, you know, when, you know, when you know a few people and all that, and you've played football in the past, um, I think it's like everything in Dubai, they're looking for people to, to stay in the country, and they're looking for how to improve uh, Dubai, and... Uh, there's quite a lot of um, players, you know, uh, um, players that are actually getting um, the golden visa because they're putting something back into the country. Rob, you need to get a flight to Dubai, pal. <coughs> I know you're not wrong. I know. Hey, you, you just said to yourself, Rushy, right? He uh, he knows. He just said himself. He knows a few people. He knows everyone. <laughs> Honestly, he, he knows everyone and he tells you nothing as well. He's like the secret squirrel. <laughs> I, le- I learned that from Kenny. <laughs> I, I think I should be like you then because you learned off Kenny, you learned off Kenny and I've obviously learned, I'm going to learn off you, Tosh. Are you happy with that? Yeah, well, happy with that, lad. You've done it, you've done it in the football, so why not do it off the pitch? Yeah, I needed a few more goals. But to be fair, and I will talk about it in a bit though, I reckon if I played with Kenny, I'd have a lot more goals as well though. Yeah, there's a chance of that. He, could, he didn't know where to put the ball, didn't he? So, oh. But I was a bit quick there, Rob. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I've, I've got none. I've got none. <laughs> we will get to Kenny, boys. We will get to Kenny. I want to talk about your relationship because is it fair to say, Rob, that Ian was a mentor, not a bit of a mentor, he was a mentor of yours when you were coming through? Without a shadow, I think um, this is one of the good things with Liverpool. I think when you are coming through and you know a system and a setup, and you always have obviously unbelievable players in front of you uh, and that player in front of you was was the one who was I mean I don't think it was a club thing I think it was just a, a player person or a person himself they sort of just integrate you into what they do and what, what they want you to do so I mean for example Rushy was I mean just outstanding with me and uh, he'd take me on uh, you know the side of a pitch and he'd, he'd 
teach me how to run, you know. How to, that sounds stupid, teaching how to run as a striker, because you think, oh, well, how do you run with a straight back? As a, as a striker, it's all about, you know, how you bend your runs and your time your runs, so where you think the ball's going to be. Uh, and obviously, Rushy was, was the master of that. You know, we, we, we hear all the time about about Rushy, which is obviously the first line of um, the defence was was when, you know, Rushy was attacking, really. Uh, and he was just a master at it. And as much as he'd get you on the side, he'd help you with all the, like, the little fundamentals of being this striker, you know, as I said, where to run, how to run, yeah, where you should be, when you should be there. Um, but also watch them on the training pitch as well. I think if you if you come off a training session and you didn't learn anything, then you know I think football wasn't for you, or being a striker wasn't for you because he had everything in his locker. You know he really, really did. He was an incredible player, and he was an incredible mentor. To be fair, because uh, just for what he did, to, for, did for me. Now people will think maybe you and Rushy will. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but Rushy was maybe coming towards the end of his career, and people can be mistaken and go, "Ah, well, listen, I'm not bothered about you. I've I've had my time." But it couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, Rushy was very instrumental in all the good that I'd done because he wanted, obviously, Liverpool to develop and uh, he wanted, obviously, the club to, to still be in good hands and, uh, you know, took me under his, uh, took me under his wing uh, and, and kept on at me all the time. You know, we, we did play a good few years together and, um, yeah, we've become good mates and, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I did to other players what, what Rushy did to me because he, he, was, he was outstanding and incredible for me. That's a lovely, a lovely eulogy, I guess, in a lot of ways, Rushy. And again, right back at you, Rushy, what do you remember of Robbie as a wee nipper? Uh, uh, Rushy, oh. before, before you start here, though, right, bear in mind, you've got to give me a few quid for saying all those nice things. So depending on what you say about me, I might repay the favour here. <laughs> no, I think, funny enough, the first time I've seen Robbie play um, was when, I don't know if he knows, is when he's about 14, 15 years old. And um, because um, Steve Iway was in charge then, and before before pre-season started, um, obviously being Welsh, we never qualified for the World Cup or the Euros, <laughs> so I had about six weeks off. So uh, so, so about um, a week before the, the first team went back to training, I would go and train with, with the kids and everything. And I remember going there once, and um, Steve Iwe said to me, um, have a look at this lad. You know, we had a game... I think he's. I think Robbie scored about six goals in about twenty minutes. You know, and I got there, and Steve Iway said, "See, uh, I think we have got something special here." And you could tell straight straight away when <clears throat> he's fourteen, fifteen, in the training he was doing the, the movements. And the thing I liked about him is that he kicked with both feet, and I I think that's a massive thing. Where um, we all say, uh, you know, he's got a great left foot there, but Robbie could score with his right foot as well, and also his head. But I think you can kick with both feet. I think it's a massive difference, and that's what I noticed about Robbie when he was up 14, 15. And obviously, when when Suey gave him the chance um, to get into the first team, it was amazing. I I all I done is what Kenny Dalglish taught me, because when I got first in the team, I was running round everywhere and all that. And Kenny said, "No, your job is to score goals." Just score goals, and Kenny was doing sort of my running early on. And when I started scoring goals, he said, "Now you can help me de- develop it. You can do." My, as Kenny was getting older, he said, "You can help me do my running for me now." So, and it's the same as Robbie um, when he got in the first team. Uh, his job just to score goals because as a striker, if you don't if you don't score goals, you're actually um, you lose your confidence. And I think it's really getting his 
his confidence through that. And I say, as I was getting older, I needed Robbie to do my running as well. And that and that's what uh, that's what we done. That's why we complemented each other so well. I I just learned it from Kenny when I was playing. I read somewhere, uh, Ian, and it's interesting you mentioned that, that I think you, you joined Liverpool in 80. I think you went five months before you got your, your debut and then seven games, I think, you went without a goal. And that was what Bob said to you, right? Get more selfish. If you're going to be a success here, become more selfish. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny because I think I played seven games and uh, I hadn't scored a goal. So I And uh, the more experienced lads then go back for pre-season and say, Oh, you deserve a rise. You know, you're you're in you're the first team player now. You deserve a rise, and like me, like uh, most probably an idiot, went into knocked on Bob's door, like and uh, said, um, "I need a rise." And he said, "Why?" He said, "I'm I'm in first team player now." And he just turned around and said, "How many goals have you scored?" I went, uh, "None." So um, we had we had this argument, and uh, he said, um, "Put me on the transfer list then." And Bob said, "Okay, you're on the transfer list." So I went out. Playing because Bob just said to me, "You haven't scored goals. Strikers need to score goals. You need to be more greedy." So I went out playing for Liverpool uh, to pl- to get away from Liverpool because at the team net, the Crystal Palace, they were the team of the eighties with Terry Venables and all that, and they were looking at me. So I, in a way, I was going out to play to get away from Liverpool. And um, lucky enough, um, it's a European Cup game when uh, I think we were playing a Finnish team, uh, Ulu Passerala or something, and. We were 6-0 up and I think Bob decided it was okay to put me on with about 20 minutes to go. And he put me on and I scored my first goal for Liverpool in the European Cup. And again, luckily again, I think David Johnson got injured and I luckily played uh, against Exeter City in the League Cup then. We won 5-0, I scored two goals. Then we played the league game, Leeds United, on the Saturday. No, we won 3-0, I scored two goals. And again, on the following Wednesday, we played Exeter in the set. In the, it's like, it was early on, so we played a moment away then. And we beat Exeter City uh, 5-0 again, and I scored two. And then, so I scored like seven goals in the space of three games. So I get the conference, but I was playing to get away from Liverpool. And um, I'll never forget uh, when I went in, uh, Bob Paisley pulls me in about two months after and says, I'm going to give you that rise now because you deserve it. And I said to him, uh, does that mean I'm off the transfer list? He said, you were never even on it. <laughs> you know, they talk about psychology now, but uh, Bob Paisley was doing that. Uh, no, they were 20, 30 years ahead of the time. Brilliant. Tosh, you know when you... Uh, I said, I have to call him his nickname there. The people <laughs> Tosh, you know when the, obviously you made your debut? So you made your... Did you make your league debut against Ipswich? Yes, it was, uh, it was away. Uh, Ipswich away, yeah. Right, and obviously you're synonymous with wearing the number nine shirt for Liverpool, aren't you? So just a yeah. quick a quick question right for you. So Kenny wore the seven shirt for Liverpool the longest. You wore the nine shirt. Who wore the number eight shirt for Liverpool the longest? Sammy Lee or Gerard? Sammy Lee was the answer. Hey, down yeah. to his knees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story there. That's why I knew Sammy played number eight because... I made my debut with David Johnson. I made my debut wearing a number seven, seven. shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and um, David Johnson got injured after twenty minutes, so Bob Paisley put Sammy Lee to play up front with me. Wow! <laughs> so, so, uh, that, 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 that's the uh, little large, little large. Toshak and Keegan, like Russian <laughs> <Ross and> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I, I was scared out there because I knew it, I, I knew you wore the number seven actually for your uh, for your well for your your first league game. And that's just yeah. uh, absolute mental when you think, obviously, your career, you was obviously always this number nine and your first game was a seven. Yeah, it was number seven, but uh, I must have done that well because I, I wasn't seen for five months after that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, to be fair, you made up for it, though. 
Yeah, and it's again, it's like a bit of luck. And uh, I'm a great believer, tell someone once, you tell them twice. If you tell them three times, you might as well tell them 33 because they're not going to grasp it. Yeah. You know, and I was lucky enough to get a second chance at Liverpool and that was uh, the League Cup final replay. Again, I think uh, David Johnson was injured. Um, Steve Highway was injured. Um, I think Graham Soonis was injured. There was that many injuries that uh, Bob had to play me. You know, and he played me at the game against West Ham in the League Cup final replay. And uh, I was up for it. Right, I'd done everything but score, hit the post, hit the bar, but I had a really good game, you know. And um, I remember Bob Paisley saying, "If you if you can do it once, you can do it every week." So that mm. gave me the confidence uh, to go on and uh, do do really well. Tosh, where did you stand on? Um, obviously, uh, when you're coming through football, so people always talk about natural ability, and you know, uh, you've got this natural ability to score goals. Can you be born as a natural born striker, or or do you develop that? You develop it, but uh, you, you have something. Uh, I think it's the instinct for goal. And, uh, you know, this is what I tell people. Uh, you know, you are born with something, but uh, you've got to learn from it. And if you don't learn from it, uh, like I was saying, you're not going to make an uh, £80 million player into £160 million player. But I'm a great believer you can make a £5 million player into a £10 million player. You know, and that's all by, by strike. It's all by confidence. And that's what it's all about. I was a striker coach um, with uh, no Gerard Uli. I just go once a week and... You can see straight away, you know, uh, it's a conference. Uh, it's a conference about hitting the back of the net. And as you say, uh, you never get tired. When you see the ball at the back of the net, it's not, you never get tired as a striker. You no, want it course. more and more. And and that's what it's all about. And when you see the fans, uh, what, um, you know, the, with the, you know, the smiles on the faces when you score a goal, you want to score another one for them. And that's what it's all about. And it's getting the confidence to do that. And I'm one of them when, when like, for example, if there's a corner... No, I, I look at people now, they're, they're pushing each other, they're running round and everything before the ball's kicked. And I never used to do that. I used to, just by one, just before he took the corner, with his, as, as his foot back, I would make my move there thinking, mm. I'd anticipate where I thought the ball was going to go. So I think yeah, that's something that you are maybe born with. I think you had, it, you had it exactly yourself because you're thinking quicker than the opposition. Because when you start moving then, I think nine times out of ten, you'll see defenders, they're standing still. And they go, how did he get three? How did he? Because you're using your football brain to anticipate where the ball's going to go. And that's what I did. And that's certainly, you had that as well, Rob. Well, you've just mentioned the football brain there. So I, I'm a big believer in, obviously, um, the, you know, the, the practice makes perfect you know, ethos and mentality. Because you know, if you do the, uh, the same thing over and over again, the monotony of doing it over again, it becomes like sort of ingrained in you. And like you, you sort of, your, your memory sort of just knows what to do then. And you, you, you like you, your body knows where it's going to go. Um, I, I just think that's that's the case. But certainly as a striker, you know, if you do the the monotony of doing the same things over again, then it, it yep. becomes second nature. So I think you you are obviously born with something. But you, I think you're right where you, it takes years and years of honing these specific skills to sort of bring out the best. But the more you do it, the the more the the, the easier it becomes. So that's yeah. why people I think say, oh, it, it looks natural. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think uh, especially at an early age, you get a uh, good coach coming at an early age. And what I used to do when uh, I had um, when I had soccer schools and all that, uh, I used to say to the kids, uh, just as l- long as you learn one thing from the session, but what you've got to do then is go out there and practice it and practice it. So when you come back next time, you're doing it naturally, then yeah. you learn something else. And I think you, if you can get that at an early age, 
I think uh, you know, that's where you go on to be um, you know, proper players. Talk about that. And Rob, I know we've spoken about this with Graham Souness, and, and he was the first to admit that, that Bob and, and what you guys were doing, hardly revolutionary. Bob wasn't didn't have much time for tactics. He had a great understanding of the game, not the most tactical. So what were you doing on a daily basis to hone that skills? Because it clearly worked, whatever you guys were doing. Well, <clears throat> really, I think uh, I think Suey was right. You know, I think Bob Paisley, uh, he wasn't a tactician, but um, I think what uh, what they learn now, I think uh, we all, like, as I say, go back to the football brain again. I think uh, we all went Liverpool. We all had a football brain. So Bob Paisley would say would say something, but no one understood it. But we knew what he meant. <laughs> That's how weird it was, you know. And uh, but I think now in the new era, I'm saying I think Ro- I look at Robbie. I think Robbie's most probably one of maybe the last of the old school, which when the sort of new school come in and the new school come in. When you look at the the Redknapps, the Utterchens, you know, uh, Robbie's mate Macca and all them. Some of these, apart from Macca, a lot of these needed to be told, and um, and that's the difference. They needed to be told what to do. And, uh, and and that was the difference how uh, we went along with, especially when Graham was there, because <clears throat> Graham virtually said, oh, these young ones are the best and the older ones uh, are not so good now. But they weren't winning games, so then he had to change and say the older ones are the best and the younger ones are not so good. <laughs> so I think, I think if you ask Suey now, he'll tell you, he most probably tried to change things too quickly. Too quickly. You know, yeah. and he, he lost, the, he lost the both camps, he lost the young camp and he lost the old camp. And that's, uh, in, in the end, um, eventually lost his job. But uh, I think if Graeme Souness went to be a manager now, I think he'd be right up there with Jurgen Klopp and uh, Guardiola because I think uh, he learned so much where you could win the league in Rangers pretty easy, <clears throat> you know, in Scotland. But when you come down to, um, to England, it's, uh, as Suey found, it's a lot more difficult. One of the things I think, Tosh, as well, so, I mean, you just mentioned about, obviously, Suey, where he tried to change things too quickly. Because he'd been over in Italy and because obviously the way of life, and obviously we'll talk to you about Italy in a sec, but the way of life over in Italy was probably far more professional than it was in the UK. I mean, the way the players looked after themselves, you know, the, the, the stuff they put in their bodies, the drink, the food, uh, everything was more professional. Uh, obviously, Suey came back into, uh, into the UK from Sampdoria and all of a sudden the players were all eating pasta and, you know, having the, you know, the, the, the isotonic drinks, the energy drinks, whereas... Before that, and you just mentioned I was old school. I mean, I'd, I'd watch the likes of you. I'm not saying that you've done it at the wrong time, but your, your era and certainly my era, we went out and had a drink. Now, I'm not saying it was the wrong thing because at the right time, you were winning everything and you were by far the best team, by far the best players. This is one of the things probably I struggled with. Uh, my relationship with, obviously, Gerard Hula, you know, God rest his soul, mm. was, uh, was, was probably... I mean, it was, it was not unbelievable because... He wanted me to do all the the professional stuff, i.e. The, the, the right stuff in your bodies and, you know, drinking the right stuff. You can't drink, you can't do this. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I wish I'd have known then what I know now because I'd, mm. I'd, I'd have changed my game and I'd have changed uh, mm. my mentality. But I used to look at all you and think, well, Liverpool have won everything. You know, Ian Rush has scored loads <laughs> of goals. You know, and and yeah. he does it. So why can't I do it? So I couldn't really get my head round. I couldn't get my head round that. I think um, you would always get away with things when you're winning. It's when you're not winning, people start asking questions. Then, and I think what we went out for a drink. We called it team spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was all about. We said, uh, and when when you've had a few drinks, now some people would tell the truth where maybe in, in the dressing room they wouldn't say it. 
you know, so a lot that's a a lot of that was down to that. But you're right there. I think um, Sui had all the right things. You know, he had um, he, he's uh, getting flip flops on people. You got to wear these, and got to, I I had the same in Italy, so I knew what I knew what to do. You know, and uh, I think with Graham, he had all the right ideas, and I think that that's what I'm saying today. They're all doing it today. You know what Sui tried to put in, in uh, you know how many years ago? So yeah, he was on the right lines, and Gerard Hooley comes along and. Um, now he brought European football to to Liverpool eventually, and uh, he changed everything. And you know, it was no surprise that um, when Gerard won so many European trophies. Mm. When you went to Italy, Ian, I guess, and and Robbie's already alluded to it. You joined Juventus, the biggest culture shock there. Talk us maybe through about how the the move came about first and foremost, and then setting foot in Italy. What was the biggest thing that you thought? What on earth am I doing here? And and also Tosh, you should also put that. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> you should also put to rest. I think it was one of the old Liverpool players when you when you moved over to Italy. So one yeah. of the dressing room folklores was it's like living in a different country. So you can put that to bed as well. I'll put that there, but it'll take me half an hour up some seats to say yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing about that that well, there's so many things you can talk about there. But talk about um, going when I signed um, for Juventus. Really, it was after the '86 FA Cup final. And uh, Juventus wanted to speak to me, and uh, it was at the end of the season, and I was in London, and I met with the officials of Juventus, and he was trying to get me to sign, uh, you know, on the day, and I said, look, I'm going to come here to talk to you, I'm not coming here to sign for Juventus. He went, well, Mr. Agnelli, uh, well, Gianni Agnelli, who owns Juventus, you know, Fiat, Ferrari, he said, he's, he's at an art gallery with the Queen, he said, he's going to be here in 30 minutes, and uh, he's, going to, he's expecting you to sign. And uh, I'm not going to swear. I said, on certain terms, I told him where to go. You know, and, <laughs> I, and I didn't realise how big Gianni Agnelli was. I said, no, he was absolutely amazing. So we had this chat with, and he said... Um, did, did, please, Tosh, please tell me he turned off with the Queen. <laughs> 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 with, with the dogs as well. <laughs> no, but I think it was uh, one of them. And he came and he said, I will get you to um, sign for Juventus. And you know, we were in more talks and eventually... Uh, um, I think Liverpool um, agreed uh, with a fee with Juventus, and uh, I went to Juventus, and they only had there's only two foreign players allowed at the time, and uh, Juventus had Michael Laudrup and Michel Platini, so and they wanted me to go to Lazio, and I said I'm not going to unless I go to Juventus, I'm staying at Liverpool for a year, otherwise. So we we agreed that for me to stay at Liverpool for another year. So when I went to Juventus uh, the year after, it was a great saying because they were still only allowed. Um, two foreign players at the time and Michel Platini uh, came training with us on the first day and he said uh, you've come to the, the right team at the wrong time and I said why is that and Michel Platini said because I'm retiring <laughs> he retired so uh, <laughs> so basically I said oh thanks a lot for that so uh, as myself and Laudrup uh, were in the, the two foreign players allowed the Juventus and looking back now if I went to Italy now I would say uh Yes, I'm, I'm Ian Rush, uh, Juventus, I'm the best player in the world. Because it's all about first impressions in Italy. You know, it was the, the Maradona of the Napoli, you know, the uh, Rue Dullet of Milan, uh, Mateus of uh, Inter. So, uh, but I, I was thinking to myself, if, imagine me going, Rob, imagine going in the Liverpool dressing room <clears throat> and saying, 
oh, I'm, I'm Robbie Fowler, I'm the best player in the world. <laughs> just, they just look at you and say, yeah. okay, let's see how good you are, wouldn't they? Yeah. You, know, so, you, you go yeah, back you in the dress. Up. You go back in the dressing room and your clothes wouldn't be there, would he? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. So I think that was the mentality. And I didn't realise until after about six or seven months in Italy what the mentality was like. Like even, for example, you know, obviously, um, I... It took me about six or seven months to learn a bit of Italian. <laughs> uh, but And then you didn't have play liaisons officers in them days. You had to look after yourself. And it sounds so stupid, but I had to go into a bank in Italy. They couldn't speak English. I couldn't speak Italian. And I had to open a bank account. <laughs> you know, so and I'm, so I'm concentrating. How, how, do you open, <laughs> how do you open a bank account? I say spaghetti carbonara. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, bella. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's that's what I think and I think you I think at Liverpool they just say you concentrate on playing and leave the rest to us. But I was most probably taken onto the pitch. Uh, my frustrations about off the pitch rather than and just taking most probably taking them on the pitch. So and it was difficult. They played different uh, to the way the way I played because I remember once uh, like if I was playing for Liverpool for example I would be the first line of defense. So if the ball was going to the, the left back and I knew it was going on his right foot, I would close him down because I know it may be on his right foot, he's not as strong. I know he'd see me at the corner of his eye running at him. So if you can make a mistake, then Dalglish would press, Sooners would press and Anson would press. So we'd all go together. We'd all be in there together. So I remember doing it once for, um, for Italy when I was in Juventus. I'd seen it going to the, the left back on his right foot. And he, he just hoofed it over over my head. I turned round thinking, oh, right, we got, we're back in play now. The other 10 players were in their own <laughs> half. You know, so I'm looking at this. So at the end of the game, I went to the manager. It was Reno Marquez, who was manager there. I said, listen, this is how I play. If I go, you've got to come with me. Or not everyone's got to go together. He said, oh, no, it's, it's easier for one person to adapt rather than 10 to adapt. And then football became boring to me because I wasn't closing down until I got to the halfway line. So it got boring to me, and uh, I was losing concentration, and uh, no things like that. Um, no, that's why I was so happy um, that I came back to Liverpool. Tosh, just with uh, obviously with uh, people who don't know, obviously your spell at Juventus, but it was it was it was quite fruitful in terms of goals as well, wasn't it? You, you did score a few goals. Yeah. I scored fourteen goals, you know, and I was, I was used to scoring 30, 40 for Liverpool. So for me, I, my first season. I thought I'd done all right. Uh, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Rudy Bollard was in that first season. He scored three goals. Um, and the top goal scorer was obviously Diego Maradona. He scored, I think he scored 21 goals. And most probably um, 18 of them would be fantastic free kicks, wouldn't they? You know, because <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. So I was, I was quite happy um, with the... Uh, and we, we had seven new players when I came as well. People forget about that. We had seven new players signed for, uh, for Juventus, and so it took time for, for us all to adapt together. So I was, I was reasonably happy with, with the amount of goals I scored in Italy. Ian, how good was Michael Loudrop? I've heard the stories that when he took charge at Swansea, he was still the best player at training. Yeah, without doubt. He's, uh, I played with some great players, you know, and, and skillful wide. Not uh, skill like you've got Douglas, you've got Barnes, you've got Moby and all that. And, you know, uh, but Michael Loudrop. People ask me the most skillful. I would have to say Michael Loudrop because he could do anything with the ball. He was absolutely unbelievable. He was. Uh, no, when in training we used to have a no. When they have, had Rob, no, you have the circle round like a 
the things that Loudrop done there was uh, was absolutely amazing. Yeah, so I imagine him being if he's at Swansea, he'd most probably would have been the best player. <laughs> <laughs> Tosh, how did it, so obviously you're you're at Juventus and you've you've scored the goals and how how did the move back to uh, to Liverpool materialise? And I did hear a rumour that you almost signed for someone else. Well, <clears throat> tell you tell what happened. Um, I've just had home one night and the phone rang, the phone rings and they goes, he said it was Alex, Alex Ferguson. No, said Alex is um, on the phone, so answer. Said, yeah, he said, oh, I'd like you to sign for Manchester United. I went, yeah, but I'm not for sale. He went, yes, you are. So I put the phone down. Picked up, about another half an hour later, it was uh, Colin Harvey, who's manager at Everton. He rings me, says, uh, no, I want you to sign for Everton. I said, great. I know you support Everton as a kid, Colin, but uh, I'm not for sale. He goes, you are. So and about and after that. Suey rang me, he was at Rangers. He says, uh, I want you to sign for Rangers. I said, Suey, I'm not for sale. He said, yes, you are. So after the fourth time, I realised I must have been for sale. You know, so. <laughs> oh, so, oh, I, oh, the fourth time, it was, Tosh, <laughs> it's me, Kenny, you soft bastard. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a, amazing. About nine o'clock at night, then I, then I got the call from Kenny. You know, see you, Jimmy. <laughs> Kenny on the phone. So um, he said, listen, you're on. I've got you on the seven o'clock flight in the morning. He said, you're coming back and you're signing for us. He didn't even ask you. Did he, he just told no, you? No, I'm told, he didn't even ask me. He told me. He Brilliant. said, I've got you on the seven o'clock flight in the morning. I will meet you at Manchester Airport. And he said, uh, and I'll pick up and you're signing for us. And I, I was so happy. You know, I didn't, when I come back, I didn't even talk about terms. I was just so happy to get the second chance to come back to Liverpool. Because, and you'll know as well, because you came back, but sometimes when you leave there, you realise grass is not always green on the other side. And I was missing the uh, dressing room banter with the lads. We didn't have that in, in Juventus. They were quite serious. Where, you know, when I was missing the the everyday dressing room banter. So to get the chance to come back to Liverpool was was a no brainer for me. Absolute no brainer. Uh, I was just so happy to get back. Brilliant. Ian, did you phone? Did you phone Fergie? Did you phone Colin? Did you phone Sunni and say, guys, I'm off to Liverpool? Did you give Fergie his due? Man United come in for you, and you choose to go back to Liverpool. Well, uh, yeah, I did shoot back, and uh, no, I didn't get back to him because Kenny just said, "Listen, I just done what Kenny said." <laughs> it was one of them. Like Kenny said, "Don't worry, don't speak to anyone. I'm doing that. You're signing for us," and I just done that. So uh, it was um, looking back you know, now when they did ring. It was, um, you know, I think it was. Uh, I I can look back and say uh, I was had the chance to play. You no know, Manchester United, uh, no Everton Rangers, and there was also Uli Unis from Bayern Munich. He tried to sign me because Mark Hughes was there as well. So. I had um, to, for all them to want me to sign. You no, know, it, it gave me the confidence. To say, you know, I've still got it in me. Tosh, you know what you just say there about them obviously trying to sign. You've just mentioned obviously Mark Hughes at Bayern Munich, but you know when you went to Juventus, Mark Hughes yeah. was over in Barcelona. Did did Barcelona yeah. come in for you? Yes, they did. Yes, uh, they tried to. Mark Hughes on the phone again. Uh, Terry Venables was manager of Barcelona at the time, and they he tried to they tried to sign me, but I'd agreed. To go, I think uh, Barcelona offered more money, to tell you the truth as well. But I had agreed um, to go to Juventus, and if I if I've agreed to go somewhere, I will go there. You know, I'll I'll load them to to my word. I've, if I've agreed to go somewhere, I'll do that. So, yeah, they um, they offered more money in um, Barcelona. There, then, they, funny enough, after I turned Barcelona down, uh, they signed Gary Lineker. 
So Brilliant. Gary's got you t- to thank for <laughs> essentially yeah. ending up in Barca. <laughs> I want to ask you, so give us an insight, Ian. You, you talk about, and I think it's well documented, and you've said it in previous interviews, whereby you and Kenny had this telepathic relationship on the field. You didn't work at it. It just seemed to work off the field. Yeah, you were mates, but you didn't socialise. He had his golf. You had your, your kind of different passions. What was it like then going back with Kenny Dalglish as your boss? Oh, he was brilliant, Kenny. I think uh, the the hardest thing was getting called from Kenny to boss. And uh, and that's where people like Ronnie Moran, Roy Evans, they were brilliant because they say, listen, you've got to call him boss now. You've got to call him boss. But Kenny was, um, he, he was absolutely fantastic. But when he was ruthless, oh, believe me, he was ruthless. <laughs> so he had it in him to uh, to do. Uh, he knew when to, like on a, on a Friday, He'd be all nice and that, but on the match day and all that, he would be really serious. And uh, if you weren't going through your paces, he'd, he'd make sure he let you know. Even in training, you know, if you weren't doing the training, Kenny would pull you, say, "Listen, you need to sort yourself out." So, you know, I, I thought he was um, he was a fantastic, well, the best player ever for me, like uh, for Liverpool. Uh, but uh, as a, people forget again what he'd done as a manager, you know, uh, player manager to do the double in his first year, no, that was unbelievable. He knew. I remember talking to Walshy, Paul Walsh. He said, uh, so Kenny brought himself back uh, for Walshy for the FA Cup final. So Walshy pulled me. He said, I played 21 games on a run. I think Walshy scored 18 goals. He said, and he still dropped me. And Walshy said, but I can't complain because Kenny's better than me. So, <laughs> so, and, I, so and, and it seemed to work. He knew, he knew what to do, Kenny did. Tosh, what, what was Kenny like? His, look, we've said to him as a player, he, I mean, there's probably no one better. Uh, how, how was he as a manager in terms of his tactical now? Did he... I mean, I, I've obviously <laughs> been ingrained with the Liverpool way, so when I was coming in, it was mainly five-a-sides and uh, a yeah. little bit of tactical, but not like over-reliance on tactical. It was more the emphasis on, on what we were doing. Was yeah. Kenny similar? Was Kenny uh, tactical now on the opposition superb? Was his... his Analysis just on what we can do as a, as a team. I think he, um, I think what we could do as a team. He very rarely he brought the opposition into it, but it's for himself. So Kenny was uh, he didn't want to give too inform- too much information uh, on the opposition because you think if well, if they're that good, like uh, you know you, you start panicking. But Kenny always took the opposition himself. So he took, he knew what their strengths were. So he'd come to the individuals and say, not say, oh, he's a, he's a great on his left foot and all that. He'd put little things into your head. So I, he'd do it more individually rather than as a as a team all around because he kept saying, no, we are the best, we are the best team. Why do we talk about the opposition? But I know deep down, Kenny would have all the information on the opposition. And you knew that come game day, you were prepped and, and you were obviously the best prep you could be, that everything was looked after. You just had to go out there and perform. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what that's what Kenny was the best at. Uh, you know, for me, he'd take all other people's, all the players' problems, and put it on himself. You know, and uh, and that's that's some doing, by the way. You know, when you got maybe twenty odd players, and uh, he said, "This, you just go out there and play. Leave the rest to me. End problems. Tell me, I will sort it out." For me, that's what made Kenny Dalglish's um, difference as well, because he said, "Listen, just go and play." I said, "I've got this problem." He said, oh, leave that to me, I'll source it out. And 99%, Kenny would source it out anyway. So all he all said, just go and produce on the pitch, and, and that's what we did. Does Kenny know more people than you, Tosh? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think he does now, but it's like, Rob, you never stop learning. That's what I told you. <laughs> 
The Robbie Fowler Academy is the award-winning leading college for football and academic education. You can find out more at the official website, robbiefowleracademy.co.uk. When the day came, Ian, that you were told, and I guess, what was it? Stan came in, right? You were, you were breaking through, Rob. Stan came in, big money from Nottingham Forest. And I'm right in saying, Ian, you started that campaign as Stan's partner, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I remember they was the talk of I think they paid eight and a half million for Stan. So obviously you're thinking uh, he's going to be the the one. No, he's going straight in the side. And uh, then we've got myself and Robbie, uh, really um, three fighting for two places. So I just um, I just put my head down and said I've got I'll try my best. I'm more experienced, but <clears throat> let's help you uh, help as a team. And um, yeah, so basically I think Robbie might have been on the bench to start off with, but. For me, I got to a stage where <clears throat> at the end of that season, <clears throat> when Robbie and Stan, they were scoring for fun, by the way. Them two, Robbie and Stan, they were scoring for fun. So I looked, I went, I'm not going to get in this <laughs> with them two. I'm not going to get in there. I'm getting old a bit now. And I'm not going to get inside. Look at that, how good them two were playing. So I went to see Roy Evans. I went to see Roy Evans and said, listen, uh, no, you're fine now. You've got two absolute top quality strikers. Ever wanted me to stay for another year. But for me... I couldn't sit on the bench, you know. I was, I was, I was getting, um, I was 30, 35, uh, 36. I'm thinking, no, I just want to go and play and enjoy my football. I would not be enjoying my football sitting on the bench. So I said to everyone, no, I just want to go to someone who wants me. I can play football and enjoy, enjoy the the twilight of my career. So I, I left to go to Leeds. I, I would Wilkinson come in for me. I went to go to Leeds, which uh, you know that's another. You no, know, for me, I was really happy to go there. So, but for me, I left Liverpool knowing that they were in safe hands with Robbie Fowler and Stan Collymore. Because, believe me, that year, now, them two were scoring for fun. And no matter who they are, that season, whatever, no one would have got in ahead of them. They were both on fire. And, and Rob, you've said previously to me on, on this particular podcast, Stan was probably, in terms of yin and yang, in terms of a strike partner, he was probably the best that you had in your career, right? In terms of partnerships, yes, uh, and again, look to sound stupid because obviously we have the master here with us, but uh, Stan wasn't the best player I ever played with, um, and I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, I mean he was my best partner because that was when I scored my most goals. Uh, Rushy will tell you, uh, his best partner is Kenny because of the amount of goals he scored. Uh, so when you have some relationship on a pitch and you score your most goals, that's your most fruitful. Then of course you're going to enjoy that and you're going to love it. Uh, and that's not to say I, I mean I love playing with Rushy for for what he is and and the type of person he is, a type of player. But I scored more goals with Stan, so it, I think it's just maybe understandable why I would say he was my best partner. But again, he wasn't the best player I played with. Because obviously I played with Rushy. I mean, Rushy just mentioned a few players there I played with. The likes of Barnsley, the likes of Jan Mulby, Steve McManaman, I mean, all these great players. Uh, but Stan, Collymore, Stan Collymore and myself had a great understanding on the pitch. Uh, off the pitch, we didn't really, really socialise. Uh, when I found out what he was getting up to years in life, I wished we had a socialised. <laughs> 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 but uh, he, he was I mean Stan Rushing just spoke about him there he was he was a tremendous player and uh, on his day I mean he, he was he was practically untouchable when he wanted to do it he was he was some player yeah and again give me your appraisal on him Rushy because there was he had it all I remember when Liverpool got him I thought Phew. That's a bit of a game changer because he was physical. He could score from both with both feet. I think on his debut yeah. was at Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, he was just—he was electric. 
he was he was unbelievable. And as you say, <clears throat> it was a his build and everything. He could kick with both feet. He was, it was similar to like uh, the, no Ronaldo, no the first time Brazilian Ronaldo. No the build and that they had he had everything. So uh, I think most probably looking back now, he most probably he, he could Stan could have done a lot more. But then it comes down to the. Mentality, you know that mental toughness. That's what's needed for the. That's the difference between a, a good player and a great player. You have to have that mental toughness, and if you got that mental toughness in you, that that'll go. You'll go a long way. Stan moves on. Well, I say Stan moves on. You, or well, he did later. You moved on, Ian. Leeds United, another massive club, and it, it's amazing the two of you, the synergy that you had. Of course, Rob, you would later leave Liverpool and join Leeds, another massive club. Your year there, Ian. When you look back on it now, and obviously you've had time to reflect on it, how do you look back on that twelve months at Leeds United? Well, the reason why I went to Leeds United, I had a good chat with Howard Wilkinson, and he said. Uh, I signed a two-year contract with Leeds United. He said, what, what I want to do after the two years, I want you to become manager. <clears throat> and Howard was going to go upstairs. And that's the reason why I went to Leeds United, because Reedy tried to sign me for Sunderland and a couple of others. But the only reason I went to Leeds United was because of that reason. And not lo and behold... After tosh, Tosh, months, Tosh. Has any club not tried to sign you? <laughs> 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 yeah, um, the Sunday League team. <laughs> but uh, that, that's what I mean. But I think, and like, funny enough, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be here for two years and if Howard goes upstairs, I'm going to take over as manager. That'd be great. After three months, Howard gets a sack, didn't he? <laughs> so I'm thinking, what's going to happen here? And, and they sold the club. So the new the Leeds sold, uh, sold the club. So the new owners were from London or whatever thing and they bring in George Graham. And George Graham... Uh, I think there was five of us. Um, he gets us all in. And said, he said, "Listen, uh, you saw uh, Thomas Brolin. It's Thomas Brolin, Thomas Uboe, myself, um, Carlton Palmer, and I think maybe Tony Dorigo. I'm not sure of the ball." He said, uh, "I want you all to leave," and we said, "Why?" He said, "Because you're all more money than me." So <laughs> I'm thinking, "Oh, so he, he, he was looking to Costcut and all that." So from then on, um, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't going to get on with George. I knew that uh, straight from the start where he started playing me on the right wing. You know, he said uh, he's changed my position. He put me wide right and it was things weren't going right. And, you know, and um, for me, it was, it was just not, I wasn't enjoying it. And what I had to deal with Howard Wilkinson was, um, I think uh, I only had to train once a week at Leeds United. But when Howard was there, I trained every day. So when I started, look, when George came and started you know, putting pressure on me to move on somewhere else, I, I decided to take my claws up in that contract. So I was only going in uh, one day a week. And, uh, you know, that was, um, I wanted to train every day, but I thought there's a good way and uh, uh, parting ways. So when, at the end, at the, I, I survived to the end of the season. Then George said, um, you know, I'd, I'd look at you if I'd find um, a better, another club. So I done pre-season. He said, well, you come back pre-season here, you've got to be training with the kids. So there's like some Carlton, Thomas Brolin, Tony Yeboah and myself. We were training with the kids. So we, he didn't send us on the pre-season tour. And again, there's only one maestro that comes in, isn't it? You know, the, the king comes in again and um, says, uh, I want you to sign for Newcastle. So that's another one, Rob, another sign in Newcastle. So, <laughs> Tosh, so, you know, um, Tosh, you know, just before you go back to, obviously back to Kenny with, um, yeah. with with Newcastle, you know when you're obviously playing for Leeds and Al Wilkinson and uh, yeah. we know what type of manager he is, 
What was George, George Graham like for you? Because you've just talked before about your exploits in Italy and the way the, yeah. the teams played over there. They were defensively minded. You you wouldn't have enjoyed playing under George Graham if, if that was his philosophy. Because, I mean, we, we all know the saying. It was obviously 1-0 to the Arsenal with obviously yeah. George Graham's team. You, mm. you couldn't have enjoyed yeah. playing under him anyway, could you? No, no, I think. <laughs> he likes people that work hard, so I was working hard. The reason why... Howard as well because Howard was different to me Howard was tactical and all that and I wanted to learn a bit about that because I like say very not very much at Liverpool we learned about the tactical side so when Howard was doing his tactical I thought well that's interesting Howard was talking about the opposition <clears throat> like it is today and all that so I thought te- technically uh, Howard was, was brilliant all that so I wanted to learn that then George came in and all George had you can see George with his back four wouldn't he you know yeah. the, um, holding hands together <laughs> you know, going from like side to side and all that so and he never really, uh, on the on the, the striker's point of view, he didn't have a lot to do that way. He's thinking, oh, we'll leave one of them. One of them's going to score a goal, but we're going to defend. So it, it wasn't... Um, and I was again, I was uh, playing in right midfield. And he's saying, you don't have to play if you don't want to, but I'm playing for Leeds. I'm on the contract for Leeds. I want to play. I'd play. If he said play right back, I'd have played right back. So <clears throat> from that, but um, no, I most probably wouldn't have enjoyed my football under George. And then so obviously, sorry, Chris. But then obviously, you, you go to um, you go to Newcastle, Tosh, and yeah. back to Kenny. Uh, one of one of the games I remember, obviously yourself at Newcastle was uh, was scoring the winner against Everton in the FA Cup. <laughs> I know, I yeah. know, you have a great relationship with all the Everton fans <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> but what, what about your time up in Newcastle? Uh, is, does that does that game and and that winner at Goodison in the uh, the FA Cup spring out more than anything up there? Yeah, without doubt. I knew when I went, I think uh, the reason I went to Newcastle was just for cover. And I knew I just wanted to get out of Leeds United at the end of the day because of the way I was being treated. But um, I think uh, Alan Shearer got injured. He, I think he had a bad injury against Everton in the pre-season. And um, Newcastle were in the Champions League. And uh, Kenny signed me up. He said, I want you to sign as come as cover because of Champions League, the experience and everything. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, but then... George Graham started having an argument with me saying, no, we want money. I went on a free transfer. I think George wanted 250 grand for me. <laughs> you know, so so the, it's a long story. So Kenny got me up. To, Kenny says, come up on trial. <laughs> he said, uh, and just see, because they were saying that we weren't fit, but we were most probably fitter than anyone because we were training every day with the kids. So <clears throat> so uh, I went to Kenny. Uh, I said, went up to Newcastle. And after one day, Kenny said, no, I'm going to sign you for a year. No, and basically I, I signed for a year. And, it is amazing there uh, when um, you know I think Barnes he was there as well and Stuart Pierce it's it like Dad's army you know, there <laughs> like so, <laughs> so uh, we we're there but they we were great and uh, Kenny was brilliant again he knew how to get the the best out the experienced one but that game you're talking there against the FA Cup against Everton I'll never forget because that was on a Sunday and on a Saturday Liverpool were playing in the FA Cup and Coventry beat them so um, I'm I've still got Liverpool at heart I'm thinking. Um, Oh, God, you know, uh, Everton playing. So I was on the bench, uh, and it was on Sunday. It was freezing cold. And remember, the, um, Kenny uh, Kenny said, go and get warmed up. And I got warmed up. I got absolutely hammered on <laughs> the warm of like the, the, the Everton supporters were caning me. But what I, I loved it even more. I couldn't wait to get on. I said, well, I hope I get on here now. The more they do now. And it, it was, and I think they brought off uh, a sprayer. Because uh, it was a bit too cold for Tino, I think, that day. So, with about um, 20 minutes to go, and uh, you could see the Everton fan. I knew I was going to score. Tell you the truth, I knew. It was like when I go, as you know, Rob, uh, some teams you go out knowing you're going to score. 
when sometimes where you think you're going to score, but against Everton, even no Liverpool, even from Newcastle, I knew I went out there on there knowing I was going to score, and I did. I managed to score a tapping, so when we and we beat them one nil, so that was something uh, very very special at Newcastle. Brilliant. What was what were the Geordies like, Ian? Because I've again I've got a lot of Newcastle mates who tell me massive club underachieved for too many years. Mike Ashley needs to go. We need Rafa back. We need Pochettino when he was out of a job. Did they take to you? Did you have a good time up there with them? Yeah, yeah, I had a great time. You know, I think it all they, all they won. I maybe on my debut, I think it was Aston Villa. Uh, I played and uh, I, Kenny took me off about 10 minutes ago and I got a standing ovation. No, I thought, they're like the Liverpool fans the way where as long as you're giving 100%, no, that's all they want. You know, they, they are passionate about the football, but if, you, if you're not giving 100%, like everyone else, you, know, you, sh- you should have a go, but if you're giving 100%, it's not a problem. And say I, I really did, I can actually say, I this one. I actually played in the Champions League for Newcastle. People say Liverpool wasn't was the European Cup then. I actually played in the Champions League against PSV Eindhoven. So at least I can say more like uh, no football didn't start in 1992 when the Premier League came. But the Champions League, um, no, I, I'm proud to say I played in the Champions League and say but it's for Newcastle. So I'm happy. I'm happy for that. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Tosh, go back to uh, obviously back to obviously your Liverpool days and. Uh, Look, you just mentioned all your goals against Everton. So there's lots of games that we remember you scoring goals against Everton. And obviously your big mates with Kevin Ratcliffe as well. Yeah. He, he must have hated you, by the way. Yeah, and, and, and so did Neville Southall. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was it? Did he, I bet you used to drive you know, to uh, Well, when you went away with Wales, or what was the conversations with Big Nev and, and Ratters? What were they? Well, Neb didn't say a word anyway. <laughs> Neb was, uh, was right. He's always himself to himself. Neb was, uh, but yeah, I, I lived by uh, rats as well. I've got some loads of stories of you no know, uh, when we're in the car together and all that. Me, myself, and rats. But uh, you know, he's. Uh, I think. I think they relied. But the problem why Everton they played the I line for some reason, and I don't know why they played the I line against us because I was quick. I know rats was quick, but I was clever. I never, I never, I used to go and uh, uh, Mark Burrows, the fullback, I think Brian Burrows, because he couldn't run. So, uh, and they just put, Kenny just put the ball in the space and I just run to it. And you always see um, rats about two yards behind me because I position myself where, you know, if it's a race between me and rats, it could be 50 50. But against Burrows or against John Bailey, I was always going to win. So I positioned myself to get in that to do that. And, you know, rats, um, then I remember once rats said to me, um, Kept, he kept on kicking me after the first five, ten minutes. Rats just booted me. So I, I went in the car once and said, why did you do that, Rats? He said, because the, ref, the referee said, uh, we'll not book you in the first ten minutes, believe me, he said. So I told me, he said, no, just tell them I'm warming up. So next time we played, before kickoff, I went to the referee and said, ref, you can book someone in the first five, ten minutes and all that. So I learned, so Rats done that and Rats got booked. <laughs> so I said, see, now you shouldn't have told me that, Rats. <laughs> what is your best memory of playing in a Merseyside derby? Would it be the Rush scored five? I bet you sing. Um, I bet you sing along to that as well in the cop, don't you? <laughs> hey, I just say. I just say. All, I say all you need is rust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so is it that? Look, I mean, tell us, tell us about that, and also tell us about the uh, obviously the cup finals as well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about the the five nil game when I scored four. <clears throat> that was quite funny because at the time, Rattle of this as well, by the way, <laughs> because at the time. Um, 
we were both living in Wales, and I uh, I got banned for speeding. I had a six month driving ban because I got totted up points, so I had a six month ban. So rats used to drop me off at the <laughs> at, um, the thing every day. But the day of this game, um, rats uh, wasn't playing. Rats was injured, I think, in that game. So uh, <clears throat> I remember I scored the four goals, and Rats was giving me a lift home back to to Wales after the game. So we're in the dressing room. I've got the match ball under my arm. <laughs> and Rats is there. So we, so we had a drink, and I said, "He said, come on, we'll go back now.'" So from the when we coming out the dressing room to Rats's cars about three hundred yards, and we're walking down there. But after about hundred yards, I see about five or six Evertonians coming to me. I said, oh, God, yeah. I thought they were going to rob the ball or something like that for me. Like that. They never said a word to me. They never said a word. They absolutely hammered Rats. <laughs> he said, what are you doing letting him? And Rats said, I wasn't even playing. <laughs> and Rats go. he said, that's it now. He said, you're not having a lift home from this. That's it. You can get your own way in now. <laughs> but, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, oh, something that Rats reminds me of as well. So it was that was quite funny. But, uh, yeah, and going for the... Um, the, my favourite one, really, from I know it's good for my favourite one was the FA Cup final 1986. You know, that for me <clears throat> was something special because when I was a kid, I used to watch the FA Cup final, uh, <clears throat> and then it used to be on nine o'clock in the morning. You watch it up till three o'clock, you watch a game, and five o'clock, I would go out in my backyard pretending I was that person who scored a winning goal in the FA Cup final. Kids today, it's obviously the Champions League, isn't it? Because the FA Cup, but in them days, the FA Cup was a big thing. It used to be on nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock at night, and it was something special. And you know, I I signed for Liverpool. You know, I'd won the European Cup, I won the league, I won the League Cup, I won everything but the FA Cup. And the, my dream as a kid was to, to score the winning goal in the FA Cup final. And 1986, my dream came true. You know, uh, losing one 0 Lineker scores. And to turn it around, to score two goals, and Liverpool not just won the FA Cup, but they won the double as well. They won the league the week the week before against Everton. And uh, to score two goals in the 1986 uh, FA Cup final was a dream come true. And uh, that's something, when I when I say to kids now, when you're coaching them all that, I said, have a dream, you know, believe in your dream, and work hard at your dream, and your dreams can come true. It may not be football, it may be something else. But like I say, my dream came true in 1986 FA Cup final and something I'll never forget. That's lovely. That is a great, that's a great memory, that. And again, we, we take it full circle now. I mean, how do you assess? Rob's assessed it many times for me. Where this current Liverpool team is at. Give me a quick word on Jurgen Klopp, Ian, because we've had him on this podcast. Robbie is, quite rightly, a fanboy of Jurgen, who isn't that's associated to Liverpool, given what he's done at that football club. How much a kind of appreciation do you have for him? Oh, he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, I know him quite well, and uh, as Rob knows, I'm sometimes when we go on pre-season tour, you know, we we see him and we talk. I've been to well the old Melbourne <coughs> and the, the new training ground. He always makes you feel welcome. That's what it's all about. And uh, even though you can't, uh, since the COVID, uh, he always had a smile on his face. And before COVID, he'd give you a big hug. So all you wanted to do then is go and give someone a big hug. You didn't know him used to go with that because he's that infectious. <coughs> he's, he's, he's absolutely amazing when he's you know, that smile on his face and all that. He's always enthusiastic. But people tend to be, tactically, he's very good as well, you know. People have that. But tactically, he is very, very good. And for me, um, I think. Uh, with this COVID going on, <clears throat> I think it's affected Liverpool more than anyone because we've had no crowd there. <laughs> no, and it's, it's different. Like, you talk about Liverpool fans being the 12th man. I believe that. 
I think they are the 12th man, and I think maybe it's effect, affecting Liverpool that they have no fans there. And I know mentally you've got to get yourself prepared and everything, but I think um, it does help. Because I, I've been there, I was there at um, the start of the season, all that, when there's no crowd there. And it is a bit weird watching games. It's, it is like watching a training game. And you've got to keep him going. But I think um, he's doing a tremendous job. He's just been unlucky with injuries. Uh, and I think, uh, no, that'll, that'll um, soon get, get out of the way. But I think last year, when they broke all them records, to break any records of Liverpool, you have to be something special. And these, that team were breaking all sorts of records. And say, can you compare them with the team in the 80s? You have to because they broke records. Mm. And uh, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And this year, they just, I think they've been unlucky simply because of injuries. Tosh, you just said they're obviously team of the 80s. So, I mean, I, forgive me if I'm, if, if I'm wrong here. And, and this is obviously my opinion, but yeah. you played in some unbelievable sides, right? And, and this is like a great argument for, for many a Liverpool fan out there. I think the team last year and the team that Jürgen's assembled has probably been Liverpool's greatest ever team. They might not have the greatest players, but in terms of the greatest team and what they've achieved and the Champions League the year before, then the year after, breaking all the records, as you said, with the Premier League, for me, they were they were unbelievable. Now, you might not like that because obviously the team that you played with, but what, what's, your, what's your take on that? No, like, like I said, they're they breaking records. Of course they are. They have to be up there. That's why people saying, oh, they weren't as good. I think... What we, what we got taught at Liverpool, the easiest thing is winning a league. The most difficult one is retaining it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, that, and that's what it is. And, and in the 80s, we were doing that. But, um, but this team, last year, not a lot, they were breaking up all records that we had. So what, they have to be up there again with yeah. the best. And that's what it's all about. The, the, rec- the, the, the records are there. They don't lie. So they have to be right up there with the best. Are you worried at all? And I've not asked you this, Rob. I don't think I have anyway in all the weeks that we've been having a chat. Are either of you worried that he goes at the end of this season? Um, I'm not worried, no. Uh, I think um, I think he's obviously got a little bit of planning to do. I think people are talking about a rebuild, uh, which is far from the mark. Uh, I think there's probably need a few little readjustments, uh, and I think he is the man to do that. Uh, I think he's proven in the past he can he can change teams. Uh, he, he's changed Liverpool, the mentality, the, the ethos, and and everything is is obviously almost perfection. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a few little uh, a few little twitches here and there, and uh, Liverpool are, are back where they where they deserve to be. You you kind of side with that, Ian? You think yeah. he will be around next season, Jurgen? Well, hopefully he is. You know, I think uh, it's like everyone. No one knows what's going to go on, but uh, I think he's a, he's a great manager. And as Robbie said there, you know, there's, there's a few little things to do that. But I think um, the problem that they may have had uh, this season is because they they haven't had a proper break. And with COVID, people have had COVID, and there's long COVID as well. So they may be um, a little bit tired. Uh, that's what's happening. But uh, at the end of the day. Um, I think get the get the season out of the way, and hopefully they can have a good run in the Champions League. And they can, I still I still think they will make the top four. So and let's let's regroup then. What what was needed at the end of the season? If we can do that, let's regroup and uh, get everyone fit. And I'm sure they'll be right up there again next year. Well, well, Tosh, you need to get in the top four because Chris, you probably you might have gathered this by the way. He's a big Man United fan, and we have a little bet. So, so I've got uh, Liverpool to finish higher than them, and if, if not, it's going to be some sort of forfeit. So, please God, please God, let us finish above them. Uh, I'm sure we will. Uh, you think you, you you are you are pretty confident Ian, that Liverpool because if they don't finish top four, it's not catastrophic. Of course, it isn't. Clubs will come again, but you still confident they will finish top four. 
Yeah, I'm confident. Uh, even when they were when they're losing games, I think they lost three on the on run at home. You know, uh, <clears throat> that's maybe because the crowd's not there. But uh, yeah, I'm confident. They haven't played bad, you know. <laughs> so I think there's only one game where I thought, you know, they didn't deserve. But Liverpool played pretty well, and I still think that they can keep on the, the, doing the same sort of stuff they're doing. I'm I'm quite confident that they're going to top four. Now I don't want to yeah. embarrass you here, Rob, but I've said it before as well football obsessive as you are we've been swapping whatsapps of course the time difference to Dubai another time difference on to India you watch all football at all hours of the day does Robbie Fowler you don't miss a Liverpool game are you the same Ian you don't miss a Liverpool game no if Liverpool's on I'm not uh, maybe not like Robbie watch all the games but I'm one of them if Liverpool are on um, you know I'll be watching them they're on uh, tonight aren't they I think it's quarter to 12 in Dubai time so uh yeah, I'll, I'll be um, I'll watch all Liverpool's game because um, because obviously you you become a fan anyway uh, when that. So um, I'm just like a normal fan. I want to see Liverpool play and want to see Liverpool play well. Come on, boys! Come on, both both boyhood Everton fans. <laughs> One eye on an Everton result as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, listen! Well, hey, when you when you get forty thousand giving your stick, you tend to dislike them pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, touche, Robert. Touche on that front. Listen, I'm conscious of time. Uh, Rushy, again, when you look back on it all, I guess what's the achievement? You've already talked about scoring an FA Cup, winning goals, for goodness sake. But when you look back on all that you've achieved in your career and obviously being a mentor to, to players like Rob, what's the kind of one memory that stands out above all else? Well, I think I look back now and uh, I can say this now because I, people say to me, were you a great player? And I'll say, yeah. Because I'm, I'm bringing the Italian out of me because I don't have to do it anymore. You know, it's one of them where you can look back and I look back at uh, the goals I've scored and everything. And I, I'm proud. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of my family. Um, I think, uh, you know, I can sit by, I say I played for Liverpool. And the most thing I look about, you no, know, I am Liverpool's record goal scorer. You know, and that will be a... Most probably in my lifetime, most probably won't be broken. But that will never, say, Tosh, Tosh, that will never be beat. Don't you worry about that. And and I look at now when I talk about you there, Rob, as well. Where you know I, I think you scored 183 goals and all that. And I I genuinely believe and on this I genuine now that if you I think talk about me, it's not just scoring the goals. I had to stay fit. I I very rarely got injured. And I think and like to your case, you most probably bit unlucky. You had a couple of injuries where I genuinely believe that if you'd played like me in the no, 15 years, you would most probably be the closest, if not, maybe beat my record. And I genuinely believe that because you, he was such a natural goal scorer. And I say, you'll say again, injuries play a major part of it. And I think if you hadn't got your, no, them injuries, you'd have been right up there, if not but yeah. me. So from that point of view, I, I just like to see uh, genuine goal scorers. I know I was one. I know you were one. So, uh, so I'm just so proud to be Liverpool's record goal scorer. So, Tosh, to use, to use your ethos, what you said before, right? You've got to tell everyone that you're better than everyone else, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. if I didn't have any injuries and played a lot more games, I'd have well beat you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That, that's why I kept kicking you in training. <laughs> I know, Tosh. Obviously, before you go on a little bit, a little bit of a change. I've got three more questions and then I'll just absolutely leave you uh, yeah. well it's actually one question but it'll maybe three answers you can give us but in terms of um, what you've achieved and you've won everything in a game but you've been you've been involved in I mean probably two of the worst games in the club's history actually uh, in terms of uh, results one being the the 89 game against Arsenal uh, and one being the 96 FA Cup final right yeah. what is worse or can there be a worse one which one's worse, you mean? <coughs> um, 
Or, or I, I mean, do, do, do you like forget about them? Or it's, it's hard to forget about them because no, of what they can't. are. No, you can't. You can't forget about them. I think uh, going back to the one in. Um, 89 89 Go back to one there because I that season I had a few injuries I had, the, I had an illness uh, when I come back um, from Juventus and I wasn't up to date and I said to Kenny you know I don't feel right I, I didn't feel um, I was moving quick enough or anything so Kenny put me on the bench and um, I think at the end of that season I say come on in the 89 Cup final scored two goals then we played West Ham on a Tuesday I think we uh, won four or five nil I scored in that and went and on Friday we were playing Arsenal, and again you no know, because we beat West Ham by a four or five that meant Arsenal had to score two to beat us, and uh, I I remember after twenty minutes I went off injured I'd done my groin, uh, and I'm just sitting there like and uh, watching the game in the, in the dug I went to the dugout watching it and with about one minute to go I I took my tracksuit top off, and I remember Barry Venison said, uh, he went Tosh don't do that, I said why he said Barry Venison I done that at the cup final right. He said, and Everton scored in the last minute. <laughs> I went, oh, that's not going to happen again. Next thing, Michael Thomas goes and scores. Like, so you're thinking, <laughs> uh, thinking oh, it's absolutely, uh, it was, it was, um, that would be me was the worst one because I started the game, I was watching it and I thought we'd won. In, um, in 96, was uh, was a bit different because uh, I knew it was my last game for Liverpool and I thought, if I get on, if I do get on, that means we're not, we're, we're losing. And that's why I thought, and the way I hope I don't get on because if we're winning, obviously uh, you and Stan started the game and to come on to try and win a game with maybe 20, 30 minutes ago and uh, and Cantona scores that goal. It was, um, I I knew then it was, it didn't sink in really because I was I was thinking about going off to Leeds United. I'm a new era for me going to Leeds United. But when you finish playing football, you look back and say, no, that was, um, that was a bit... Um, to play my last game and lose to Manchester United, you know it was uh, <clears throat> amazing. And I'll just say one thing about uh, Manchester United: that you no, know, we talk about Everton. I went out knowing I was going to score against Everton. When I played against Manchester United, I went out thinking I was going to score. I think it's about seventeen or eighteen games before I scored against Manchester United. And uh, I remember you once. Remember once like, you put one on the plate for me and I missed it. And you, I think you looked at me to say, "Are you serious? Are you going to miss that?" Like, and then I remember the next time when you, you actually scored, I said one or two in the game, and I said, "What?" He said, "Well, I'd give you one chance. You're not having another one. I'll, I'll do it myself." I went, "Fair enough. As long as you score, I don't mind." But uh, you said, "You said yourself I... earlier on, tell them once, tell them again. I have to tell them all." <laughs> Seventeen times against Manchester United for me. <laughs> Uh, can I ask Ian do you still we talked about it last week uh, on the, the, the podcast the suit we, we spoke to Scolzi about it the famous white suits the Spice Boy suits please tell me you've still got yours I most probably have <laughs> it's just a wedding uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that beat me to it that's a shock beat me to it again it's quicker than me again <laughs> no I've looked at some games I've seen a couple of pictures of myself and Giggsy and I think at the time I, I'm not going to take the blame for that anyway. I know because uh, I have to I have to blame someone like uh, Razor or Jamo or something. Probably you'll know more because I was more concerned about that. And Barnsley was captain then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always thought it was Jamo to be honest because obviously he's a model exploits whatever yeah. with Armani. But I, I actually don't really know. I but, think uh, Ra- Razor as well. I think when he had something to do with it. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I told Scoldy, Scoldy last week. People thought we were a band when we walked on the pitch. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, lads. Rob, you got another one. 
Yeah, just just one more. So obviously, just uh, the last question, Tosh, if you don't mind. Um, who was the single most biggest influence on your career? Single most. My dad was. Uh, my dad was great. Uh, my dad was one of them people where. If I scored two, he said I should have scored three. <laughs> if I scored three, I should have scored. He was never, he was never anything sort of um, positive to me and all that. And he, he wanted me to, but I know. I remember once uh, he, he wasn't know I was listening, and he's talking to his friends and all that, <clears throat> and he's saying that I was so proud he wasn't me, you know, uh, to do that and everything. He was saying, oh, he's something special and everything, but he never told me to my face. He always wanted me to work hard. So I think me, me, my dad, from that point of view, and looking. There was one um, when I was at Chester, um, you know, God bless him, McCliff Sear. You know, he was a youth team coach. He gave me the chance again to Chester first team when I was 16 years old. And people like that. And then you go to the best manager I've had would be Bob Paisley. And again, and then you go, the best player I played with was Kenny Dalglish. So I'm blessed to uh, have, uh, um, to learn from all these people. And But at the end of the day... Um, it's my dad for it because my dad didn't drive then. He used to take me on the bus um, when I was you know, 13, 14 to Chester and wait for him to get the bus back and everything. So what he what he put into it um, is something there to say, you know, uh, th- thanks so much. And uh, I'd, I'd have to be down to my dad. Can't argue with that. That's great. That is a yeah, you can't argue with that at all. It's been a real pleasure is what it has, Ian. I know, obviously, you're a busy man uh, and for taking some time out to, to grace us with your presence for episode eight of the Robbie Fowler podcast. It's been illuminating is what it has. Uh, Rob, I know you've got a flight to catch. You're flying back to Blighty. Are you even going to be around for episode nine next week? Uh, well, yeah, but uh, probably probably in a in a in a, in a bit, of co- bit of a cooler climate. <laughs> and are you, you'll be quarantining. You'll be making sure that you do all the social distancing, of course. Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll have to self isolate. So I've got ten, uh, ten days of uh, self isolation. I mean, I've, I've got a few things that I can get up to. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, m- m- more chance of you as well to flick through that contact book and get more names like well, Ian Rush, yeah, MBE. Yeah. Brilliant! What what a, what a, what an absolute I'm going to say guest, but what an absolute man he is, isn't he? I know he's still here, but he, he's ah, he's superb, isn't he? Top. He's absolutely top, is what he is. Ian, bless you, my man. Thank you for joining us on the Robbie Fowler podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Best of luck with your exploits and your endeavours. I know Dubai is a home away from home for you. Exciting times. Enjoy that gold visa as well, and if you can pass on the contacts <laughs> to me and Robbie, that would be greatly appreciated as well. No, it's great. It's great to come on and talk. Uh, myself and Robbie, you know, great mates and all that. But uh, anything for for Robbie Fowler, uh, no, I'm I'm available. Good, Good man, man Tosh. Eh? <laughs> Perfecto. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> and and <laughs> Hey! Ciao, <laughs> bella. Eh? <laughs> hey, forgot. Hey. I have to tell you what, my mate came over to when I was in um, Italy. Like, no, Robbie knows and no Phil. Yeah, <laughs> Phil. He came over to Italy, so um, he's at, it was week with us and all that. So the last night, uh, I said, uh, "Come on, Phil." I said, uh, "Have you learned any Italian?" And he looked at me and I say, and he turned to me and went, "Yeah." I said, "Tell me." He went, "Hey." <laughs> 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 oh, forget about it. 
Hey, forget about it. <laughs> uh, that will definitely make the cut of this podcast as well. So if uh, he's watching this, he's got a mention on it as well. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, well, well, you know what? You'll have to use it from the Zoom record because I've just stopped recording on the thing. <laughs> it's all right, Rob. Don't you worry. We'll get it in. Right, Robbie Fowler podcast episode 8 is in the can Brought to you by McDonald's UE A massive thanks to them We'll be back next week Another edition Ian Rush, Robbie Fowler Ta-ra lads Ta-ra This has been the Robbie Fowler podcast Powered by McDonald's Hear it again And more of our podcasts At DubaiEye1038.com